Hey, this is Pastor Bradley, and I want to welcome you to the Res Church podcast. Res Church is a place where people discover life through knowing and following Jesus. And so we hope that you will be blessed by this message. We're honored to have you today, and obviously we are in a little bit of um, transition as a church. We've got a building under construction. We're a little tight in here. Uh, we've got our children in, in with us that sometimes they get a little loud, okay? But I heard somebody say not that long ago, God put the wiggle in children, okay? We can deal with a little wiggle, amen? Right? So, you know, strap your attention spans on. If they get a little wiggly, it's not going to hurt you, Right? Right? So kids, don't wiggle too much. Just a little bit, okay? I'm just kidding. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we have a, a really honored guest with us this morning, um, my good friend who is the campus pastor at Emmanuel College uh, just down the road in northeast Georgia. Uh, I graduated from Emmanuel College, so did my wife Mary, uh, and it's a fantastic school, uh, and this is a fantastic pastor uh, who, he, he, that's his role at Emmanuel College, is he pastors the student body here. And, you know, when we have a guest speaker at Res, I, I don't just look for people that can communicate well. I look for people that have a heart for God, a heart for his word and for his people. Um, a real quick story, I had the opportunity to speak at Emmanuel College uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Chris and I had lunch, and we were talking about him coming here just a couple of weeks from then. And Chris said to me, he said, Bradley, you know what? I think I want to teach from the Psalms. And I'm like, Chris, we're doing a series in the Psalms right now. That's just really cool that you want to teach from the Psalms. When we planned this series way back in the beginning of the summer, I came into the pastor's meeting and I told him, I said, I want to do six weeks in the Psalms and here are the Psalms that I want to do in order and the dates. And we landed on Psalm 19 for August the 26th. And Pastor Keith reminded me, he said, isn't uh, Chris Maxwell coming to speak on the 26th? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Let, let's just mark out Psalm 19, and we'll let Chris do whatever he feels led to do when he comes. And so we're having lunch. He's like, I'm going to do a sermon in the Psalms. I'm like, awesome. We're in a series of Psalms. What Psalm do you think about doing? He said, Psalm 19. I don't think that's a coincidence, Right? I think, you know, the Bible says in Romans 8 that the sons of God are led by the Spirit. We're always being led. Amen. And so Chris is not only here at my invitation, I believe he's here because God has ordained us to hear from him today. So would you welcome Pastor Chris Maxwell as he comes. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I would like for all of you, if you are physically able to do so, I'd like for you to stand for the reading of Scripture. We'll read more of the psalm as I'm going through it later, but uh, just for the opening, for the Scripture reading, we're going to read the first and the last verses of Psalm 19, verse 1 and verse 14. I'll be reading from the NIV. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I'll read that verse again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. In verse 14. 
May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Have a seat and let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you ever listen in while other people are praying? Now, think about it with me for a moment. Let's, let's just kind of go out to eat. We're getting close to lunchtime, right? So, do all of you like to eat? Okay, just, just wanted to make sure. And so, uh, let's imagine we're out to eat at a restaurant. and I mean, you pick whichever food that you're eating right now. It's like tasting good, and it's like you're enjoying it. And, and, but then you notice a, a family, maybe a husband and wife and two children at a table next to you. And the kids are excited and some energy. But all of a sudden, right before they begin to eat, the, the husband, the dad says, All right, now, before we eat, I want to say a blessing. I want to pray a blessing over the food. And you're just like listening in. How's he going to pray the blessing? What's he going to say? Is it going to be a long one or a short one? And you know, sometimes you go out to eat and somebody's praying and they keep on saying and praying the blessing and you're ready to eat. And you also know that many times when someone's praying, your mind starts wandering and going in different directions. You're not listening to what they're praying. It's so important to listen to prayers of others. As you're studying through the Psalms, what a wonderful opportunity we have to listen to ancient prayers. Uh, my wife and I, my wife Debbie is, is here with me. I'm so glad she could be with me today. And we often uh, laugh and think about the prayers from our sons. You know, sometimes uh, children can pray some very interesting prayers. We'll not illustrate all of those today, but, but one comes back to mind. When, when we were going through a difficult situation, I pastored a church in Orlando for almost 20 years, and we're living in Orlando, and a hurricane decided to come and visit. You know, many tourists come and visit Orlando, but we didn't invite the hurricane over. It, it came um, by its own choice. And our oldest son is not with us in the house at this time, so it was just me and Debbie and our middle son, Aaron, and our youngest son, Graham. And we could already feel it was like the house was beginning to move oh boy it was not one of those let's rejoice in this moment moments we 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 could hear it we could feel it and here we are hiding away like in in the bath in the bathroom hiding away and praying and wondering what's going to happen and uh hurricane charlie coming and our youngest son graham we didn't know what all he was going to do, and he wasn't sure what he was going to do or what he was doing, but he was quoting the 23rd Psalm over and over and over. He began saying the Lord's Prayer over and over and over, and he's sitting like in the bathtub praying desperate prayers. We think he got saved maybe five or six times right there <laughs> as the wind is blowing our direction. And, you know, we're sorry that it happened. We're glad he got saved so many times and <laughs> it's helped him through life. But that comes to mind. Those are prayers that someone else prayed. We laugh about it, but we remember. We remember the prayers. I teach spiritual formation uh, at Emmanuel, and I love bringing the students into class. And we talk about various types of prayer. We study different methods of praying. What does it mean to pray? How do we listen to others and, and be in agreement as someone else's praying, how to pay attention to the prayers of others. So I often do this. Uh, I, I, in fact, I should do it with a few of you, but I won't. I don't know you that well yet. 
But I'll ask a few students to come up. Maybe three students will come up to the front, and we'll be in a line, and each one will have to be paying attention to what the student beside them is praying because each one is instructed to end the prayer in the middle of a sentence. I mean, not where you put a period, but like in the middle of a sentence. And the next person has to pick up where they ended the prayer in the middle of a sentence. Does that make sense to you? And it helps us listen better to the prayers of others and pay attention. So, for instance, if we were doing that right now and, and one of you said, God, we thank you that Chris Maxwell is here to speak to us today and I pray that you would help us. Well, maybe that person, if they had continued the prayer, would have said, help us uh, Pay attention and receive your word that you're giving to us today. But maybe the the person beside them who has to complete the prayerful sentence would say, help us uh, be patient and not be angry if he preaches too long when we're hungry and starving for lunch or something something like that. But the, the purpose of that is to teach us to listen better. Well, you've been given this wonderful opportunity as your pastor and his team has decided to lead you through, like to hit reverse, go back into history and study the Psalms. And and we're going to focus a little bit on, on Psalm 19 today, but I want us to look at it from several different angles, okay? So it, the, the first part of this, let's think about them. Let's think about the original audience, Let's go back to the beginning when this psalm was written. It was written by David, this man after God's own heart, a king, a giant killer, a shepherd, a sinner, doing great things and terrible things. But in desperation, he would sing. He was a musician. He was a poet. And what for us are the psalms, they were originally given as personal poetic prayers to God. So from that initial beginning in prayers of desperation or celebration or anger. You can see all of those moods in the Psalms, can't you? As you've gone through this study, it's been good for you guys. It's been good for you to realize all of these different moods and and the the temperament and the temper that David could release in prayer. And then these personal prayers were turned into national songs. So again, thinking about them, thinking about the original audience, from David, this became a hymn. This this became a chorus that the nation would sing together. They would declare what we are reading today, they would declare it in song and in psalm. They could march declaring it, sing. You know, some song, I love the worship team, by the way. You guys have done a great job in both of the services. I just wanted to to tell you guys, I love this. Y'all are doing a fabulous job, so I just wanted to brag on you for a moment. But I would love to be able to, to say that to David, the musician. What did they sound like? What would be the mood and the, the momentum of the different psalms? Well, Jesus, remember this, Jesus studied the psalms when he was a child. These were the songs, these were his kids' songs as he would, as he would learn them and he would pray them. Well, we know that he, that he prayed many of them. We know uh, specifically he prayed one psalm that doesn't get much attention, Psalm 22. Do you, ever, do you ever feel sorry for Psalm 22? I mean, Psalm 23 gets all the attention, doesn't it? What do we call Psalm 23? What do we usually call it? The 23rd Psalm. What do we call Psalm 22? Psalm 22. We don't say the 22nd Psalm. (laughs) Psalm 20. Psalm 21. Psalm 22. The 23rd Psalm. Psalm 24. I mean, I feel bad for 22 and 24. But anyway, Jesus memorized this as as a child. And he prayed it in a time of desperation. My God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. We often think a phrase like that, a statement like that, a prayer like that would offend God. No. Through biblical study, you can understand that the Psalms were those times of release, often rejoicing and celebrating, but sometimes releasing the the heavy weight of hurt and questions and wounds and scars that would keep us from enjoying the freedom of rejoicing and celebrating. David could pray himself through the pain. Jesus could repeat it and quote it as he learned it as a child. So many people throughout church history have studied the Psalms, read the Psalms, and what an honor it is to now be praying and studying and singing songs that started out as prayers of desperation. You can, you can study the Psalms and realize where David, the mood he was in and some of them, and then we're oblivious to many of the original settings of what David and the other psalmists were experiencing as they went through that. Uh, Paul, the apostle, wrote uh, most of the epistles in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, he quotes this psalm. So think about Paul, who studied in the Jewish culture as a child, memorizing what we call the psalms, our 150 psalms. He would learn them. It was important for them to repeat, to memorize, to pray, to declare privately, alone with God, and publicly, corporately, corporately together. I love this quote from one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis. He says, I take this, talking about Psalm 19, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. So as you're studying the Psalms, particularly now Psalm 19, let's remember the origin, realizing that the Psalms are not always written in good structure (laughs) of literature because mood changes. It's like rejoice, 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 kill the enemy. Rejoice, let's be happy, let's rejoice, be still, love it, kill the enemy. God, I hate them. God, I love you. (laughs) Don't throw in too much theology in psalmistic study. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't try to, well, no, it's okay for me to be mad because David was mad. No, he was psalmistically, poetically, prayerfully releasing the anger to God instead of taking it out on someone else. So let's, let's understand the history. So let's think about them over there. Okay, now let's think about, think about us. How can we become people who live out the Psalms? Okay, well, we're now studying a psalm that is actually one of, I mean, obviously, C.S. Lewis is not the only one to love it. I personally love it. I, I like so many components of this psalm. And what we can do with the psalms, several things. Read them. Here's a wild idea about reading. Are you, are you with me now? Read them slowly. Read them. Say that last word. We don't like that, do we? Just imagine, just for a moment, you're stuck in traffic. <clears throat> That's how I want you to read the Psalms. Let's don't read them like this. You know how we sometimes say the Lord's Prayer, like right before the ball game? Our Father's heart in heaven, hallowed be in the name of the kingdom. Boom, what? Amen. Let's win. No. Read them slowly. 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm. He, he leads me beside still calm waters. Read them frequently. Read them aloud. In fact, let's do it. You ready? Talking about us, we're going to read. And are you going to pay attention? All right, stay focused. I know how our minds wander. All right, Psalm 19. And I'm going to read it at a different pace. 
I'm going to speed up and slow down at different times, but I want you to focus. If you're reading along with me, you can do that. If you just want to listen, if you want to close your eyes, try to stay awake if possible. But stay with me. Psalm 19, beginning with verse 1 again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies, just imagine, just for a moment, what you see in the skies. Just imagine, just think of the clouds, think of the clouds, think of the beauty, think of the sun. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day after day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night after night after night, they reveal knowledge. Don't you love that? Man, how can we learn? We're gaining an education by staring at the stars, by peeking at the sky. We're gaining information, knowledge. Verse 3, they have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Wow, I love that image. In the heavens, God pitched a tent for the sun. Again, creative, artistic. This is not for debate about, well, what does he really mean by that? He's thinking of an artistic way for him to make creation and the beauty and the wonder around him a reality in his own mind. Not controlled by external circumstances, but the beauty of a world around us reminding us of the God who created the world around us. This is exciting to me. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Mm, think just for a moment of those moments when you're really cold and it's like winter time and it's cold and, the, and maybe the, 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 the electricity's not working, you don't have any power and, and you get close to the, the fireplace and oh, it just feels so good. That's the presence of the Lord. Think of, think of that warming you. Now follow the mood change here in verse 7. I love this. He, he, is, he is honoring God by describing God's truth, God's character. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, David is perfect. What does that mean? Refreshing the soul. Man, don't you get worn out sometimes? Well, don't see the law as something that's just commanding and requiring. See it as that nourishment, that fresh water when you're dying of thirst. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Man, we live in a day where we don't trust anybody. It's telling us the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Man, don't we need something firm to stand on? Wow, in this world of craziness and twisting and turning... Emotional hurricanes coming our way, relational hurricanes coming our way, financial hurricanes coming our way, stable. Mm. So he's declaring it in song. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what style of music this would have been, actually. If we tried to turn it into something that would fit us today, what style would we put this in? I mean, so many psalms would be like switching moods. during. It, we would have a little rock going on and a little pop and a little country music, and then we would rap it. I don't know what classical, I don't know what this would be, but I do know this. I need this. I need this truth today. We need this truth today. 
They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Okay, stay with me. Just a verse and a half left. Stay with me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. And in the benediction, again, this final verse. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All right, this is for us. It was for them. It's been used throughout church history. What can we do with this psalm? Psalm 19. What what can we do with it? Well, here's an idea. We're not going to grade you on this. But think about, take one day, and I want you to read this psalm 19 times. Psalm 19, read it 19 times. Or throughout the day. Start early in the morning when you wake up, read it. And in various times throughout the day, use different methods of reading. Read it aloud. Read it silently. Different translations of Scripture. Maybe get an audio version. Listen to it. Uh, Read it while you're walking. And then end the day reading it again. 19 times one day. You got it? How many of you are really going to do it? Huh? I'm going to add to it. Are you doing pretty good with that assignment? What if you at least read it once every day for 19 days? Psalm 19, 19 times one day, at least one time, 19 days. I'm telling you, it's going to do something to you. You read it. It's like tasting that food, and you begin to taste it. Read it slowly, very, very slowly sometimes. Then read it real fast. Then imagine being David. Use your imagination. Be David in that place. I want to encourage every one of you to be healthy people, to be safe people. But I want to encourage you in the spiritual realm, which to me is not really a different category. It's something that affects everything we do and all that we are. Let's taste Scripture. (laughs) Let's receive it. And again, remember that even though David gave some theological declarations here, the purpose of the Psalms was bigger than that. It was releasing and rejoicing. And it was bringing into us the mood that we will choose instead of being controlled by the mood that is coming our way. You you see what I'm saying? Not be controlled by our feelings, but respond to them in honest release and then rejoice, and then we are renewed in our divine romance with Him. That's what He is calling us to do. Okay, so, so we have it so far two perspectives. Them, the original writer, the original audience, those people, and then others who've read it over the years. And now us. We're in the story, right? Us. Let's let's add a third character to this. God. What does God think about this? God loves the praises of his people. God loves, listen, God loves the honesty of his people. Don't respond to God this way if you're going into a prayer time and, and maybe God is in sort of opening up the dialogue and his initial wording is, how are you? Don't say, you're God, I'm good. When you are miserable, God is not offended by our honesty. God is not insecure and intimidated by our anger. Psalm 22, we mentioned it. <laughs> Jesus praying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus learned it as a child. He prayed it in a time of desperation. Have you ever felt rejected? Have you ever felt forsaken? 
Don't hold the feelings in, but don't go to the other extreme and take them out in unhealthy ways to other people. Release them to God. God will respond, and He listens. He cares. As parents, those, those of us that are parents, or those of us that are grandparents, when our children open up and talk to us, and they have these honest conversations, we cherish those moments. We love those moments. As I said, Debbie and I have three sons. Taylor, he and his wife have three children. They live in Denver, Colorado. Our middle son, Aaron, he and his wife have two sons. They live in Dakar, Senegal in West Africa. Graham, our youngest son, he and his wife uh, live in, in Georgia. But Debbie and I had the wonderful opportunity to visit Dakar. We were there in West Africa several months ago and just spending time with them in their world. That was like amazing. I'm not saying all the food was amazing or that all the traffic was amazing or that the weather is always amazing, but being with them in their world was amazing. And there's just so many components, so many stories I could take from that narrative and tell you about it. But one of the things that meant the most to me was just a moment with our son Aaron and him hugging me. This is a guy hugging a guy. And I was proud of him. And he was thanking us for being there. I'm just an earthly dad. Think of our heavenly father being so proud of us and appreciating us having dialogue with him. Not staying off at a distance. And oh, I need to, yes, we need to honor God and respect him and fear him in a healthy way. But not fearing him in an unhealthy way where we're just so afraid to be honest with him. God is like, listen, I can handle it. I am God. Tell me your problems. Let me walk you through the pain. God welcomes our moments when we do not feel welcome. So, the, 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 them, the original audience and people throughout history, them. Us, applying the Psalms. Psalm 19, going to read it how many times one day? 19. How many days in a row? 19. Thank you. And then God, he's pleased. Well, that could be three parts. We could in the, in the story. We could, we could go out. We could eat. We could pray before we eat because Chris might be watching. He, he spoke today about prayer and, and meal. Can we, have, can we have one more? There's another them out there. Not just this them, but there's another them out there. Can I, this is almost like a, a warning, but it's a green light for you. Because if we are willing to be healed with psalmistic prayerful releases instead of holding them in ourselves we can then reach the them that is out there and not always be angry when we're around the them the other people we can be like here's a wild idea we can be like Jesus to them bringing love and grace through our face to them through our kindness through our tone of voice at our jobs at school wherever we're going we can be more like him to them because we've released inner anger in a healthy way psalmistic therapy I call it and then we're able to bring his love to other people. It works. It works. Well, one of the ways that it's helped me is in journaling. I'm a, I'm, I'm a psalmist. I was recently at a conference, and I sat down at the table, and we were just saying, hey, it's great to see you guys again. Saw you last year at the, at the big convention. And one of them looked at me and said, how is the psalmist? I've never been, I'd never been called a psalmist before. That was like a compliment. I've been called bald-headed and other, many other things before, but... Uh, I don't know why anyone would call me that, but they've said that before. How's the psalmist? And I realize that that is me. That is my writing, but that is my survival. That is my survival. When you pastor a church for 20 years, you teach a lot of stories about Jesus. When you've been a follower of Christ since your teenage years, you've studied a lot about Jesus, and you've tried to hang out with him a lot. 
And I've written, I've written nine books. But this book, we went back through the gospel narratives of Jesus. And we wanted to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And as I was writing it and was working with editors and the publisher, it was like, I wrote it with a different angle, imagining myself in the gospel narratives. If I was there in the story, if I was there in the gospel, who would I be? <laughs> would, I, would, I, would I be the prodigal son? Would, would I be Peter, James, or John? Would, would I be the one that felt left out? I wrote the story, and I felt like I was pausing and falling in love with Jesus all over again. So get a copy of the book. It's back there, but this is an example of a way, just like psalmistic therapy. Uh, also, back in March of 1996, as I was pastoring in Orlando, I was very healthy at the time, and I became very ill, and I almost died. We didn't know if I would live, and I was suffering from, almost dying from encephalitis was the illness that I had. And as you can see, I did live, uh, but I'm a very different person than I was before. I had a great memory before the illness, and now I live with severe brain damage. Uh, in my left temporal lobe, is, the whole area is full of scar tissue, and I live now with epilepsy. Well, that's a story in itself. It's not the main story of today, um, but it's written in this book, Underwater, because I often feel underwater. Not only I often felt, past tense, underwater, but I work at a college, a college that I, that I made good grades when I was a student, but now I work at a college, and with my severe brain damage and my inability to recall my method of learning and memory, it affects me. I'm taking anti-epileptic medication. I, I'm prone to seizures. But God is using the damaged brain to travel around the world and tell stories to give hope to other people. Why? Because I wasn't willing to give up. My Jewish neurologist held this book after it came out. Where there, uh, I, flew, I flew down to Orlando, Florida. I was speaking, and he wanted to take me out to eat. He's a, he's a Jewish neurologist, and he said, he's holding the book, and he's just patting the, the table with it like that. I'm like, Dr. Pine, let's calm down. What's going on? He said, do you know how this happened? I'm thinking, a lot of work. A lot. He said, two, there's, there's two reasons this happened. Your stubbornness and your God. Let's be stubborn the right way. That we're just so in love with God, we are not going to give up. Even when we feel like there is no hope, we're not going to give up. When we feel underwater, let us endure in Jesus' name. Psalmistic therapy helped me survive. Maybe your story is not brain damage, scar tissue, but it's relational damage. It's emotional damage. Maybe some of you have stories of church damage or religious damage. Find peace today in the therapy of releasing your emotions in a healthy way of prayer. And then my latest book, it just came out now. This is the, this is the first time. Um, I, in fact, my publisher came to the first service today. This is called A Slow and Sudden God. Some people may be offended by that, but God is not. Doesn't he sometimes seem to be slow? It's a book, it's a collection of poems I've written over 40 years, and it's just honest, contemplative thinking. It's psalmistic, very psalmistic. Well, those, those are just some stories for me. What, what can you do to help bring this to other people? So many stories I could tell you guys, but just, just two, a brief one, then, then, then one I want to end with. Because if we are being healed of our inner pains and our inner hurts through our psalmistic therapy, we can bring hope to other people. I once was... And not my neurologist that I mentioned, but my main physician in Orlando. He was also Jewish. And I'm like the only follower of Christ he's ever allowed to read scripture to him or pray for him. And before we made the move to Georgia, I was in like my last appointment with him. And we we're like going through all of our conversations together. And I'm the only Christian he's ever allowed, as I said, to read scripture to him and pray with him because I pray in Jesus' name. 
But he, he would allow me to do it as he was kind of seeing how I'm improving from uh, my illness and all the struggles that I would have mentally. But the last appointment that we had, I looked at him and said, Dr. Adderman, why don't you read scripture to me this time instead of me reading to you? That just totally shocked him. He only reads in Hebrew. But it was such a beautiful moment as he's reading a psalm to me. And I'm looking at it in my English version, in my NIV. He's called me his soulmate. Why? Because the end of the story is not just with David and me and God. It's with the them out there. The them out there. This is under construction now. New things are happening in the building. You are also under construction. Individually, as a local church, you are under construction. God is making a newness in you so you can have better vision for the world outside. Those that feel unwelcomed and unloved, you are called by God to love them and welcome them here. Well, just just one more illustration as an example of how that plays out. over a year ago, I was, I was uh, having to go have some more tests done, and they wanted to do an EEG on my brain and check and see how Chris's brain is doing and if everything's okay. So it was going to be an early Monday morning appointment. So I drove to Atlanta to spend the night, Sunday night, and I arrived at the hotel, checked in, everything's going fine. Then I realized it's 6 o'clock. That's time to eat and time to take my seizure medicine. Well, when I travel in Atlanta and and speak for the pharmaceutical company, they often pay for my meals and they tell me where to eat. This time I'm paying my own meal, which meant what? Find something cheap, right? (laughs) Quick and cheap. It's dinner time. i got to take my medicine. And I don't want this to offend you guys, but I've never been a big fan of McDonald's, okay? But they had just started serving breakfast at McDonald's. Mmm. Somebody say, mmm. So I'm going to have breakfast for dinner in Atlanta, Georgia on a Sunday night. Now I had to find McDonald's. So I did what we all do when we need advice now. I said, where's the closest McDonald's? There were three McDonald's right nearby. So am I going to pick the closest or the one farthest away? I picked number two. It wasn't the closest. It wasn't the one farthest away, but I picked the one that was kind of in the middle. So I drove to McDonald's, and there I am. I ordered my breakfast. had another decision. Do I eat in? Get it to go. What do you want to do? I decided to eat in. So I'm sitting at this wonderful table. I'm enjoying the meal. It was just like so good. And then I look out the wall, which was a wall of windows, and I could see this large crowd of people walking toward McDonald's. I'm not talking about two people, three people. I'm talking about this large crowd of people all walking to McDonald's like they're very hungry. And I'd never seen any of them. And some of them were barely dressed and they weren't dressed nice. And those that were dressed and they came, came walking in and they, they were over there, just long line to place orders. Two of them came walking right to me, a man and a woman. They walked past me. I'm eating my breakfast for dinner at McDonald's on a Saturday night in Atlanta. They walked past me and the man had a trash bag with him and he threw it down at the table beside me like a garbage a trash bag threw it down beside me and then I looked at him and said sir if if you're with a group and y'all need this table I I can move I'm almost finished I can leave he said no it's okay he went walking back and he is why he assumed it was his wife they had a conversation she stayed in line to place an order and then he comes back and sits beside me at the table and I said it to him again I said sir if you need to if you need this table, you can have it. He said, if I'm ever able to eat out and I eat at this McDonald's, I want to sit at this table. I could tell there was more to the story, so I began asking him questions. He told me his story about he and his wife and the, 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 
great career that he had, the great job that he had many years before, and now they are homeless. And this whole group of people that were walking toward McDonald's as Chris Maxwell is sitting in his comfortable seat preparing for his EEG the next morning, they were homeless. And I said, what are you guys all doing here? He said, one man came over and told us that if we will go over to McDonald's, he will buy us dinner. I wanted to meet that man. So I hung around a little bit, and I finally had a chance to meet Scott. That was his name, Scott. And I said, Scott, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. And he told me this. He said, if Jesus was here, he would bring food to them. I want to be like Jesus. I realized I want to be like Scott. Because he understood about biblical history and that them and God in him. But he also knew about the them outside the doors. He wanted to take the God within to become a God without, outside the walls, caring for other people. Not just God with us here, but God with, out there, with them, wherever they are. We had a wonderful conversation with him, got back to the hotel, slept during the night, got up early the next morning, made my way to have my EEG done. And so when I arrived, I always liked to arrive early. I looked at my phone and someone had called me. It was not a number that I had. So I called the number back. Since I was there early, I had time. I called him, and some man answered, and I said, yes, this is Chris Maxwell. Did you just call me? I said, Chris, this is Scott. We met last night at McDonald's. You gave me your card, and it had your number in it. I just wanted to say a prayer for you before you have your EEG. That is what I want us to become. If we can fall in love with the Psalms, maybe we can be more like David. <laughs> have the heart, right? just this heart that's after God, caring for him. Don't let wounds from your past control your present and future decisions. Release. Release in prayer and respond. We're going to reach those people as we become more like Scott in the McDonald's of life. Let us pray. Father, we need you. We need you today. We need you. This church building here is under construction. Changes. All of us are also under construction. Do your carpenter work on us. And make us new. I pray that can, we can psalmistically release our wounds and our hurts from the past or from the present, our fear of the future, and rejoice in you in this now, today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that the Lord has blessed you through today's message, and we would love to hear from you. Tell us how God is working in your life and how we can pray for you. You can also help us reach others by investing at resfaith.com give. Thanks again for joining us.